Welcome to On the Porch, the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Lee Cole is from a rural community near Paducah in western Kentucky. He's a recent graduate of the Iowa Writers Workshop, and he now lives in New York. His debut novel has just been published. It's called Groundskeeping. In the novel, an aspiring writer has moved back home to Kentucky in the run-up to the 2016 election. He's living with his Trump-supporting relatives while secretly dating an immigrant woman, and this allows the novel to look closely at class, politics, and a nation that is teetering on the edge of falling apart. The novel is getting a lot of great buzz. One of my favorite writers, Colm Tobin, says that it's, quote, filled with close observation, detailed shading. It's an absorbing love story, but it is also an examination of class in America, and it captures with sharp insight a moment in recent history, end quote. That's quite an endorsement. Lee, welcome to On the Porch. Hi, Silas. Thank you for having me. Well, we're glad to have you, and we'll start with uh, you telling our listeners uh, what you would like for them to know about your debut novel. Well, uh, like you said, it's about an aspiring writer who returns home uh, to live with his grandfather and uncle, um, and he gets a job at a nearby college where he's permitted to take a writing course, and it's there that he meets Alma, uh, a visiting writer at the school, and they sort of begin a secret relationship. Um so while the events of the book are fictional, uh, they have their basis in my own experiences of homesickness and growing up in rural Kentucky and working as a tree trimmer and mm. trying to reconcile the love I have for my family with uh, you know a lot of our deep disagreements about the world, which I think is a problem a lot of people are having now in kind of this uh, post-Trump era, I guess. Absolutely. It's very timely. It doesn't seem to be getting any better. It seems to be getting worse, in fact. Um, Yeah, one thing I love about the book is the way that you write about work. You know, I really uh, think it's rarer and rarer these days to see working people in in literature. And um, so it makes sense that you actually did this work. Uh, The details are, are really great and succinct. So I wondered if, is that something that, you know, that you consciously set out to do to to write about somebody working and working class. And... Yeah, I mean, that's something I think a lot about. Um, you know, one of the writer, literary writers, I guess, who I was drawn to most early on was Carver. And I think it was because I recognized uh, people that I, uh, that I knew from jobs that I'd worked in his fiction. And there was a lot of fiction that I encountered then that that wasn't about working class people, you know, and, and that I felt sort of like an alien world to me or a world that I didn't really, um, I wasn't really familiar with, you know? So it was important to me to try to write about working people and the way they talk and the kinds of jokes that they make and, and just the kind of banter that goes on during, um, a work day, which is long and full of boredom and, and you have to fill that time with something. So there's a lot of great, talk that goes on during that absolutely i worked in restaurants for many years in in my early 20s and it was such hard awful dirty work but we had so much fun you know the camaraderie was so great and you really capture that in the book yeah thank you i I also love that uh, something i think you're doing really well in the book is to talk about having a love-hate relationship with the place you're from and I think no matter where we're from, 
we can relate to that. So can you talk a little bit about doing that in the book? I mean, it, it's it's hard to do. Yeah, well, the, it's the question is, how do you um, sort of honor a place and honor its complexity and at the same time feel like you're being honest about the problems that might exist there, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so that was what I, I set out to do. I didn't, I didn't want to paint um, an overly rosy picture, but I also didn't want to present it as, you know, this um, completely fallen place or something. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a really, um, my feelings towards it are really complicated. Um, so when I'm home, you know, I, I, I feel like my first few days there, I can kind of exhale and, and feel this sense of relief almost. Um, uh, but then the more time I spend, the more I, I sort of get antsy, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I was trying to kind of explore that, that feeling in the book and be honest about it, you know? Right. Do you feel like most of that is uh, the culture of the politics is a big part of it? I think that's a big part of it. And, and, you know, it's, it's becoming even harder now because, um, you know, I wrote this book before COVID and, and before January 6th. And Mm -hmm. it's even harder now to kind of just reckon with, um, some of the stuff that seems to be becoming mainstream on, on the right. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I, it's hard to just merely agree to disagree about something as bonkers as, you know, the kind of QAnon stuff or whatever, you know? So, um, you know, it's, it's the problem, this intractable problem for me anyway, is, you know, it's become even worse um, in the last couple of years. And I imagine it's that way for a lot of people in, in a similar situation. Mm -hmm. Yet one thing you do in the book is you write about your characters with, real complexity sort of the same way you're writing about the place you know it's um, not it's not vilified nor is it romanticized it's complex Mm -hmm. so i wonder in writing these characters like the grandfather for instance do you feel like Mm -hmm. that that helped you to gain empathy for people who think differently you know or how, how did the novel how did writing those characters change you if it did well, I think you, anything that you're writing, uh, you know, it's a process for me anyway of getting to know the characters. I mean, if you know them from the outset, then the experience of writing the book is not going to be very um, exciting or engaging, at least for me. So um, I have to start from this point of, of not knowing them, and, and the, writing the book is a process of, of getting to know them. Um, but, I mean, it, it's, you know... It's hard because in my best sort of moods and, and when I'm, you know, feeling really hopeful and optimistic, I want to have this kind of um, Whitman-esque idea of, of people contain multitudes yes. and there's complexity and depth and, and even people that I disagree with very deeply and maybe even I loathe their political views or whatever. Um, I still can find they're still worth understanding, you know, because they're human. Um, but then, you know, and when I'm not in that mood, you know, or when I'm when I'm in a situation where 
I'm home and somebody's making me feel uncomfortable or they say something ugly or, or whatever, something along those lines, it's harder to sort of um, embody that <laughs> Whitman-esque sort of generosity of spirit, you know. But it's something to aspire to, I guess, when you're writing uh, characters who are, who are difficult. I think it's something you especially have to keep in mind with difficult characters. You know, it's in some ways it's it's easy to write characters that you agree with or who are who are really familiar to you, but it's it's the characters who are hard and and who whose lives might seem alien to you that you really have to put a lot of work in and and try to understand them and understand where they're coming from. Right. Yeah. It's the the challenge makes it more interesting as the as the writer. Oscar Wilde said that he gave his best lines to the characters he disagreed with the most, and so I think about that sometimes <laughs> when I'm writing. The, you know the antagonist well why don't you read a little bit of the book for us and uh, while you find your place there i will remind everyone that we're speaking to lee cole about his debut novel groundskeeping here on the porch on wuky 91.3 fm so if you're ready let's hear that excerpt sure so i'm going to read it from a section where owen the protagonist and alma are at a cracker barrel um so I'll just jump right in. Um, So you liked this place when you were a kid, Alma said, when we'd been seated. No, I hated it, I said. I still kind of hate it, though the hatred is mixed with nostalgia. I drew over the little peg game from where it was nestled between the flickering oil lamp and the bottle of peppers and vinegar. Alma cast her eyes about curiously. The dining floor was sparsely seated. A table of boisterous bikers sat in the back in their leather chaps and flame-printed do-rags. Three or four elderly couples were seated in our section, waiting for their food. A fire crackled in the fieldstone hearth, and the wood-smoked air was mingled with the aromas of coffee and bacon and maple syrup. All was warm and quiet. Even the hiss and clatter of the kitchen was hardly audible. What did your parents like about it, she asked. After mulling over the question, I explained that Cracker Barrel was cheap, and they were working-class people without a lot of money who nonetheless wanted the experience of a family outing. They loved the food and the decor, not because they had bad taste, but because it was familiar to them. They'd grown up on actual farms, milking actual cows and pulling the suckers from actual tobacco. They'd eaten stewed apples and turnip greens and ham hock, and the tools on the walls had been the tools their fathers used in a time that was not, at least in Kentucky, some distant yesteryear. It was recent and vivid, and the ache of its passing away, therefore still present, like a phantom limb. Excellent. Do you really put us in that cracker barrel? I've certainly, I've certainly <laughs> been there for sure, and and can relate to so many of those observations. Well, tell me about your experience of growing up in Kentucky. Well, you know um, that scene in Cracker Barrel sort of says a lot, I think, because by the time you know I was a kid, um, a lot of the agrarian traditions in the, my area of Kentucky, Western Kentucky, had really begun to fade away and had become relics hanging on the walls of Cracker Barrel. You know? So I can remember, though, you know, my grandparents having all of these antiques, and antiques play a big part in, in the book, too. I mean, uh, this character, Owen, is, is living in a basement sort of surrounded by antiques. And I can remember feeling like they were these kind of enchanted objects. I mean, they might as well have been from, you know, a- ancient Rome or something. It seemed like such so far away from from where we were. But I just remember being so enchanted by that and and feeling like um, 
you know, there was this period that was authentic and unique and that it was being replaced by places like Cracker Barrel and Walmart and, and McDonald's. And it was it was this kind of homogenizing influence where the t- this town that used to have a, a unique signature or these several towns in that in Western Kentucky and really all over that used to have this unique signature were kind of becoming like anywhere towns where you could get off the interstate and they all sort of look the same. They've got the same fast food places and the same kind of uh, that, that kind of thing. Um, and so, you know, it, it wasn't until later reading somebody like Wendell Berry that I found an articulation of that. It was something I'd always felt, but I'd never been able to say it. I, I don't know. I, I guess all of that kind of uh, went into the mix and and uh, was grist for the mill and and made me into the the writer that I am now and, and gave me the kind of worldview that I have, um, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of what you're saying reminds me of your piece that was in Time Magazine, and, and you were raised pretty close to Mayfield, and of course Mayfield has had such a spotlight on it since the tornado that happened there in early December. And and one yeah. of the things that you write about in that essay is a place that to some degree is our, even before the tornado physically removed it, what Mayfield was is has sort of been lost. You know, it's no longer really an agricultural place. It's it's been lost to industry, right? Um, can you talk just a little bit about that? Yeah, well, I mean, I don't think that that process is is necessarily unique to Mayfield either. I mean, I lived in Iowa for for three years, and you go to a small any of the small sort of farming towns in in Iowa, and you see the same thing where there's been this kind of um, commodification of nostalgia, you know, where the, the towns have, you know, where there was once sort of um, hardware stores and, uh, you know, pharmacies and real businesses, those have kind of been replaced by antique stores and the kind of close knit communities that used to exist in these places have kind of fallen apart. And I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, these jobs sort of leaving these places, you know, and in Mayfield specifically, I write about the general tire plant there that where my uncle worked and, um, you know, that was a good, a good job and it's, it's gone now. And it's a similar story in, in Paducah, but it's not as if those jobs don't come with their own sort of complicated baggage. I mean, like in, uh, in Paducah, we had USAC, which in some ways was, a good job, but it was also in a kind of environmental calamity, you know, and they're still cleaning up the, the mess, this, um, uh, of these depleted uranium canisters in, in, uh, at the site there. So, you know, it's, it's just sort of this sad, slowly unfolding process that I, I wanted to write about in that essay. And it felt like, you know, this tragic disaster of the tornado was a kind of hastening or an acceleration of this process that I already saw uh, going on. Yes, uh, everyone listening out there can read that essay if they just go to Tom's website and and type in Lee Cole, that's L-E-E-C-O-L-E. Well, you went from uh, rural Kentucky to to the Iowa Writers Workshop. In between there, you went to undergrad. Where was that? I kind of went all over, you know, I wasn't a very great student, uh, to be honest with you. I, I, um, I started out at the university of Kentucky and went a few semesters there. 
Um, and then I went to the University of Missouri in St. Louis for a semester. And then I, I went to the University of Louisville and uh, finished out there with my undergrad, barely. And then I, I lived around Paducah for a while and worked some jobs. And then I lived in Colorado for a year where I worked as a tree trimmer. And and then I came back kind of in a, uh, you know, with no prospects really and decided to work at the UPS uh, Air Hub in Louisville. And uh, the whole deal there was that they would pay your tuition. They would pay for you to take some classes. And so I just took some writing workshops at, uh, at the University of Louisville. And I was lucky enough to have some great teachers there who encouraged me and, and told me that I should keep going. You know, mm-hmm. But getting into Iowa was such a long shot to me. I can remember reading reading about it, reading that, you know, Cheever and Carver had taught there. And I thought thinking, you know, well, maybe in my next life, maybe my next, my next reincarnation or something, I can go there. But, uh, you know, it, it was really a life changing thing to, to go. And, and I feel really lucky. Well, this is Silas House, and I'm talking to Lee Cole, author of the new novel Groundskeeping here on the porch on WUKY 91.3 FM. We are listener supported radio back to our conversation. Well, you mentioned a couple of writers who uh, were influential on you, but uh, who are some of your other favorite writers that come to mind? I know that's a hard question. It changes all the time for me. (laughs) I know. It depends on my mood. Mm -hmm. When somebody asks me that, who I would say is my favorite. But I I think lately I've been saying Lucia Berlin just because I I don't know. I I just love her, her stories and I feel like she has such a warmth for uh, humanity, I guess, is the best way to put it. And um, she has such a strong sense of place in her work, too, even though she lived all over. I mean, she wasn't particularly rooted to any one place. Uh, I mean, a lot of her stories take place in Oakland, but anywhere she was, she kind of could fully see that place, I think, with a clear, clear eye. Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, I mentioned Carver, too, who is important to me. Um, you know, uh, Sam Shepard, um, you know, Jane Ann Phillips. Uh, and then, you know, uh, I mentioned Wendell Berry also, who was really a you know life-changing for me to read The Unsettling of America and, and uh, his little book, um, What Are People For?, which was really, really affected me. Um, and felt like it put into words what I what I had been trying to say or what I what I had felt anyway. Um, I know that you've said Bobby Ann Mason's work has been a touchstone sure. for you, and I would have to agree with that myself. Um, I, I mean, especially being from Western Kentucky, she's you know such the voice for Western Kentucky. But why does her writing speak to you in particular? Well, I mean, for one thing, she just captures the way that people talk so well in, in that part of Kentucky. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was that was the main thing that struck me reading her for the first time. It's like, I, I know these people, you know, and it's not just I mean, she has, of course, Shiloh and, and Love Life are two great story collections. Um, her novel In Country is also really fantastic, too. And I just um, it was a sort of a similar thing with with reading you know, Carver or Larry Brown or any of these people, I just felt like I recognized the people in the in her books. Um, and I recognized the kind of work that they did. 
um, and the way they talked and the way they talked about family and home. And, uh, it all felt really familiar to me. And, and also, I mean, all of the kind of issues about the changing South in Bobby Ann Mason's uh, stories were really relevant to me. I mean, I, I can remember the tensions in some of her stories being as simple as just, you know, the way an R-rated movie, you know, affects, uh, you know, a family dynamic or mm-hmm. something. <laughs> I can mm-hmm. remember feeling that, you know, uh, growing up in my, my family being sort of strict Southern Baptists and, and being pretty strict about what I could watch and what media I, could, I was exposed to. And, and it's just this sort of, um, you know, the traditions of the old way of life or the, you know, uh, the agrarian way of life sort of fading and being replaced and, and infiltrated by consumerism, I guess. Well, this show is all about books and music. We tend to talk a lot about that. So I'm also wondering what music you've been listening to lately that you've really been loving. Uh, I've been listening to um, a lot of Angel Olsen mm. lately. Um, she she had a single with uh, Sharon Van Etten that came out a little while ago uh, called Like I Used To. That I, It's been on pretty heavy rotation. Mm-hmm. And Fleetwood Mac lately, mm. too. Um, uh, Gypsy, I've been listening to a lot. I don't know, they're, they're kind of similar. These songs are kind of similar vibe, I guess. And um, so that's that's what I've been listening to a lot recently. Yeah, Fleetwood never gets old, never. Never gets old, no. Uh, well, Lee, I'm wishing you the best of luck with the new novel. Um, once again, it's called Groundskeeping, and our guest is Lee Cole. At C O L E. So you can find the novel wherever fine books are sold. Until next time, be good to one another. Thanks for listening to the podcast of On the Porch. I'm your host, Silas House. This episode was engineered and produced by DeBron Thomas at the studios of WUKY 91.3 FM in Lexington, Kentucky. We are listener supported radio, and we thank you for joining us.